y'all, this is Sam's Aunt Daddy. This week on the show, NPR White House reporter Aisha Roscoe and from NPR Music and Pop Culture Happy Hour, Stephen Thompson. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Here today with two great guests. One's a first-timer on the show, Aisha Rasko. Hi, welcome. Hi. NPR White House reporter. Just back from Helsinki. Yes. We'll talk more about that. Yes. <laughs> also, show veteran Stephen Thompson, editor and reviewer at NPR Music, renaissance man all about town. <laughs> Freshly back from getting a corkscrew from my colleague's desk. <laughs> and the corkscrew is because... Uh, a little thing called Rosé Wave. You'll talk more about it. But before that, I must say, for the first time ever on the show, I mm. let someone else pick the song to ever. kick the show off. Yes. I said, Stephen, you pick the song this week. And he did. I would have been so much more nervous if I'd known I was the first. Oh <laughs> Let's hear a bit of it first. I like the vibe. Who is this? It's called a band called Now Now. Okay. Now 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 is <laughs> uh, just a wonderful kind of kind of spiky synthy pop duo. Uh, I actually consulted some of my colleagues who run NPR Music's Rosé Wave team. Yes. Now Rosé Wave is uh, my colleague Glenn Weldon once summed up Rosé Wave as basic pride. <laughs> um, that it, that, and it is not uh, not so much a musical genre as a lifestyle. Yes. You know, like you're, the patron saint of Rosé Wave is Lord. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. You know, which Just like music for summertime, music, yeah. music for, for long nights, music yeah. for summertime, music yeah. for long nights, but also music that can get you up in your feelings. Yeah. The reason I brought Now Now instead of somebody like Lord or Casey Musgraves is a lot of people haven't heard Now Now. Yeah. And NPR yeah. Music is also about discovery, and mm-hmm. we want people to find the bands that we love and are passionate about. And yeah. so this song is called This Is It. And this is, yeah. And it's this song is called me SGL. It's, it's, it's relaxing. Yeah. It's it giving me some beach vibes. I'm in Malibu right now. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're plugging Rosé Wave because okay. the team at NPR Music has been working on playlists surrounding this movement for a while. There are many, many playlists on Spotify right now in the spirit of Rosé. And we buried the lead uh, in honor of Rosé Wave and the entire movement. Yeah. Stephen Thompson brought in some Rosé to the office. Can <laughs> we get that bottle a, pop on mic? Oh, a, yeah. That was that's beautiful. good. Very so, good. So, full disclosure, we cannot consume said alcohol no, until no. we can only look the news show. Okay. Okay. At the conclusion of this taping, we'll imbibe. We can only okay. look at the bottle longingly. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. So, uh, yes. per always, my two guests, Aisha and Stephen, are here with me to look back on the week of news, culture, and everything else. Also, you Friday listeners, I want to send you back in our feed to our latest Tuesday episode. I had a wonderful chat with Al Roker. Yes, that Al Roker, yeah. weatherman <laughs> to the world. Yeah. We talked about his newest book. We talked about climate change. We talked about how Lenny Kravitz is his second cousin. Oh, I know. Go listen. Go listen. (laughs) Anyways, let's get into it. I want to have both of my guests describe how their week of news felt in only three words. Aisha, our new guest. Yes. You're up first. My three words are wild. What's next? And so I hope you understand wild because I say it a little different. (laughs) I understand. And this was a wild week. I feel like the story of the week was these comments the president made in Helsinki where he seemed to contradict 
a lot of federal agencies and <laughs> said that he wasn't sure if Russia meddled in the election. And you were there, right? I was there. So it was so being there in that room, Putin was like an hour late. So everything's behind schedule. Yeah. We get in the room. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. They say it's two minutes. Two minutes turns into to the press conference. Two minutes turns into 15 minutes. And then they come out. And it's one thing to kind of hear President Trump has kind of played with this idea of Russia and did that. Was it really them? Maybe it was them, but it could have been a lot of other people uh-huh. uh, when it came to the election. But to see him right beside Putin, yeah, it was striking. And when I knew this was going to be a big deal yeah. was when uh, so Reuters, Jeff Mason uh, on the U.S. side asked a question, asked Putin, why should we believe you over the intelligence agencies? And Trump answered first. Wait, Trump answered Trump jumped the in first. <laughs> okay. And so when he did that, I said, oh, this is, it's going down. I, I thought a lot this week about that press conference, yes. and we'll talk about the fallout as well. Yeah, yeah. But there was this moment when Trump seemed to indicate that he would work with Russia to address yes. cybersecurity yes. issues. And oh, I said to myself, wow, yeah. this is a part of the fable where the hen <laughs> asked the foxes to help guard the hen house. <laughs> And, 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 and several yeah. Republicans felt the same way. You had yeah. top Republicans, yeah. bottom Republicans, middle Republicans, <laughs> all of them come out and said, you can't do this. Yeah. Right. You can't do it. So then just a day after, he walked it back, right? right. And he, he wa- said, my wood was a wooden or vice versa. Yeah, he right. said, yeah, he said, I meant to say a not. But the, the problem with that, and, and this is their, their position, and they can have their position, that he meant to say not. But when you look at that whole paragraph, oh the whole gosh. paragraph is undercutting everything the intelligence agencies have said. And now that he's calling for a second meeting with Putin, so in the fall, so just in time for the elections, and so we'll see, see, how, we'll that see how that goes. In the fall, in the U.S. In the U.S. And and Putin, what's so interesting about it to me is that this idea of Russia and Putin has been this kind of, it, it really is almost a cloud over his administration that he has tried to run from he is, or tried to distance himself from as much as possible. Yeah. And yet... And yet he leans this, into this. Yet he leans into this. And when Russia's the one thing that he says, look, I don't have anything to do with Russia. I don't want to... But then he has this foreign policy where it's so... And he embraces Russia in a way he doesn't do for Germany, for Canada. Because I was in Europe that entire week. So I was in Brussels for the NATO meeting and in London. And in all of those places, he had criticism, direct criticism yeah. for the leaders, for, you know, even Theresa May. He had did that yeah. interview. Yep. And definitely for uh, Germany and Angela Merkel, yeah. he has uh, heard the <laughs> chancellor of Germany. Yeah, no harsh like, words for Putin. No, no direct criticism. And so it stands out. He it just does. doesn't have the yeah. same direct criticism. Yeah. So much. Yes. Stephen, so what much. are your three words? Well, I mean, my three words do tie into the to the news of the day, because how can they not? Yeah. My words are, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love these three That's words good. that are also three sentences. <laughs> yes. because, Tell us why. Because, I mean, you, you, as a news consumer, a lot of the time as you're just consuming this this onslaught of, of new information, there's this constant disbelief. But I also wanted to bring uh, a stupider piece of news. <laughs> <laughs> there's no such news as stupid no. news. It's different news. Since, you know, more, more, in, more in my wheelhouse of okay. the things that I like to talk about. Yes. Uh, this week... Uh, a milestone was reached in which the song November Rain by Guns N' Roses became the oldest music video ever to surpass one billion views on YouTube. Wow. I have never in my life met anyone who talked about watching that music video on YouTube. 
Who was watching this video? <laughs> well, I don't want to say a billion people because I'm assuming that some people watched it two or three or more times. Yeah. I don't think one seventh of the world population has each individually watched this video once. Yeah. It is nine minutes long, so it is oh. a commitment. That oh, is a yeah. long. It's an song. epic video. You've got wow. Slash out in like a cornfield in front of a church, <laughs> just, just, just guitar solos, ripping away. <laughs> but it speaks to it speaks to a, a number of different things. First of all, why why Guns and Roses and not other bands? Yes. Why November yes. Rain and not other songs. It turns out that Guns N' Roses has a massive, massive following in Central and South America. Really? And that Guns N' Roses, in the course of their touring, now they've toured all over the place in the last couple years, this big kind of reunion show. Are they still good live? I have not seen the, okay. the, the tour. I cannot speak to it. Diplomatic but, answer. But, <laughs> but this tour has so far grossed $480 million. Holy Who wow. knew? So, so Guns N' Roses, still an ongoing concern for a lot <laughs> yeah. So much so that they're breaking records on YouTube. And it's, but it's also interesting. It speaks to, from a, from, a, from a larger kind of music fan standpoint, those YouTube metrics are really interesting. Hmm. I had somebody from YouTube send me over a list of mm-hmm. all, the, all the videos. I hold in my hand a list <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> of the 113 videos huh. that have topped okay. a billion views on YouTube. Um, it's really a chart of like what has become, what has been a dominant pop song in the last 10 or so years. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing like what a worldwide list it is. How much Latin music is on this huh. list? Okay. I mean, Despacito is the most viewed video of all time. That's at, my like, jam. <laughs> 5.3 billion views and that is the fr- it is the in first place by a long yeah. time. but both Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee who do Despacito yeah. they each have another, another song, song that has been viewed more than a billion times on I YouTube it. okay. so it's a fascinating it's a fascinating list yeah. and but also speaking to that thing of US box office versus worldwide yeah. the song The Middle by Zed and Marin Morris oh yeah okay you know the song on the radio right now okay. yeah. it has only been viewed 53 million times on YouTube but I hear it 18 times every day I have personally heard that song 53 million times on the radio <laughs> I love it. You guys, I have three words. Okay. All right. They are, they'll be fine. Okay. And it's kind of about how I think Donald Trump will survive this whole Russia week, but it's Mm -hmm. really about how I think that Amazon can survive anything thrown their way. As we know, uh, Prime Day was this week. It was was a holiday that Amazon itself created. (laughs) (laughs) That's how big they are. (laughs) They offer these steep discounts on stuff online for their Prime members. These are folks that pay extra money to get free shipping and other nice goodies. Well, the first whammy for Amazon during Prime Day was that uh, their website crashed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Second thing that happened was that uh, to coincide with Prime Day, thousands of Amazon workers Mm. in Europe Mm -hmm. went on strike. They said labor conditions in these Amazon factories Mm -hmm. are subpar. They have to be on their feet for 10 hours, some folks are saying. They can't be exposed to sunlight in some factories. They're denied Uh. bathroom breaks and sick days. So you would think that for any company, a week full of protests, thousands of employees, that would be a big headline, a big deal. (laughs) Seems to not hurt Amazon at all. And I think that Amazon, in many ways, like Donald Trump, uh, can survive whatever is thrown at them. I don't know, man. Jeff Bezos' net worth dropped from 150 billion to like 149 point nine eight billion. He is yes, he is good. he is ranked the richest man in the world, and Amazon is ranked the world's second most valuable company after Apple. And I think what keeps 
Donald Trump afloat and what keeps Amazon afloat is that they both have really loyal bases. In you know. in Trump's case, it is a political base. But in Amazon's case, it is a consumer base that probably can't imagine their life without Amazon. It's just, it's just convenience. Yes. It's that you can just go online, Amazon, and like probably Walmart before it. I think that a lot of times convenience wins out. Yeah. Convenience like, trumps uh, whatever convenience moral ambiguity we might and, feel. And cheap cheap products yeah. and, and, and not knocking people who have to buy cheap. Sometimes it's like it's necessary because that's what you can afford. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was thinking about how there's been kind of a muted response to these yeah. strikes at Amazon. Compare that to the uproar over Papa John's and their CEO allegedly yes. saying the N-word multiple times in a business meeting. It was so easy for people just to throw Papa John's away right. as soon as it happened yes. because I think Papa John's is not nearly as integral to our lives no, and, and as Amazon had, is. The pizza had gone down, but... <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can know, get pizza from other you places. You can get exactly. pizza from you other You can get Alexa and Amazon Prime from other places. The one caveat I would throw in is that there are sometimes tipping points with businesses and what seem like internet juggernauts at one point... Doesn't, that doesn't always mean they're going to be an internet juggernaut later. I mean, ask MySpace. And obviously, Amazon is more integrated into our lives than, than MySpace is. But when you talk about it, I mean, you haven't even named all of the Amazon controversies oh, in recent yeah. weeks. Yes, I mean, yeah. there they're, they're are huge dust-ups over the fact that they're selling white nationalist Nazi Confederate merchandise mm. and that there is increasing pressure on Amazon to, to keep that from happening. Mm. There's there's more and more people are interacting with companies in a very aggressive way to change them. Yeah. 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 I am always this close to buying an Instapot on Amazon mm. Prime. Then I'm like, Sam, you don't cook. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do it. <laughs> Anyway, it's time for a break. Coming up, we're going to talk about how tariffs are affecting one small business owner in Connecticut. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Wix.com, a web platform for creating your own professional website. With Wix, whether it's your first time creating a website or you're a longtime pro, you can do it yourself. Choose from hundreds of stunning templates or start from scratch with drag and drop technology and powerful web features. Join over 125 million people already using Wix to create their own websites. Go to wix.com to create yours today. So what will you create? There's a new way to hear Morning Edition, All Things Considered, and all your favorite programs. Just ask your smart device to play NPR. Listen to your local station anytime, like this. Hey, smart device, play NPR. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm here with two guests, Stephen Thompson of NPR Music and NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Thanks for being here. Oh, my God, it is my pleasure. And White House reporter Aisha Rasko. Uh, we caught her in between her uh, jet setting across the country and the world. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I, I appreciate it. I'm having fun. Oh, yeah. Before we get to the next segment, I have a quick question for you all. Uh, under what circumstances would you be okay with your Netflix streaming being interrupted? Never. I have, Never. Sm I have small children who rely on Netflix. <laughs> okay. No. Never for you. Just, what about you, Stephen? I'm just like <laughs> mentally taking up arms at the thought. Well, there might be a chance that some things that resemble like an Amber Alert could show up in oh, your Netflix. Sure. Oh, okay. So there's a bill proposed in the U.S. Senate that would allow emergency alerts 
through streaming services. Oh, that's interesting. The bill is called the Reliable Emergency Alert Distribution Improvement Act of 2018, ready. Um, and basically, the bill itself came about after that snafu in Hawaii right. when they accidentally yes. told all people in Hawaii that there was a ballistic missile coming for them. So the bill wants to fix errors like that, mm-hmm. but also allow those kind of alert messages to be seen in more places like Netflix. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm sitting there watching Netflix, yeah. I probably didn't know that a ballistic missile. <laughs> For me, it might be Hulu and Brooklyn Nine Nine. You know, I'm like on my forty seventh straight episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I don't know if that would be more annoying than the Netflix thing, where they're like, "Are you still watching?" Are you still watching? Of course I am. <laughs> Now, oh, I, now I have to find a remote yes, control. Yes, yeah. I am watching, or I'm asleep. I am a passive viewer. Either way, keep it going. All right, now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance, where we call someone up somewhere in the world and talk to them about the news. If you want that to be you, just email me at samsanders at npr.org. We might give you a call. Tell us why we should call you. This week, we're calling someone to check in on the latest with this brewing trade war between the U.S. and China and also Canada and Mexico <laughs> and the EU, too. Uh, the U.S. put tariffs on steel and aluminum imports coming from these countries. They've thrown tariffs back on America as well. Uh, we called up today someone who was personally feeling the effects of all of this. Her name is Mary Fitzgerald. She's from Mystic, Connecticut. She owns a small business there, and uh, her business uses a bunch of imported metal. Mary, you there? I am. Hi, how are you? Very well, and yourself? I'm good. You're on the phone with me and two friends, Aisha and Steven. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Hello there. So I want to talk business with you and your business. Um, what kind of business do you have out there in Connecticut? Um, I own and run a company called Acme Wire Products okay. in Mystic, Connecticut. Uh-huh. We are a manufacturer of custom-engineered metal products. Okay. We're a small family-owned business, um, and as I mentioned, we have our factory in Connecticut. What's the thing that we all own that we could perhaps, I guess, visualize one of your parts in? Uh, well, we make racks for commercial dishwashing equipment. Oh, so my dishwasher yes. rack. So it would be like your dishwasher rack, but for a more industrial application. Okay. So my favorite restaurant probably uses some of your racks. Yes, and, okay. they, and they probably have uh, other components there that we've made also. So the big industrial mixers that oh. mix up you know, potatoes and soups and things like that. We would make the stainless steel guards that go on that equipment. So you're a big part of my life (laughs) without (laughs) me even knowing it. So because the things that you make and your company makes have a lot of metal in them, you are feeling the effects of the Trump White House's uh, new tariffs on imported metals. Is, Is that correct? Yes, we are. Huh. And so how has that changed how you are doing business? Well... Uh, We are purchasing more material domestically right now because of the tariffs on Canada. Mm -hmm. Our new domestic material supplier is farther away from our factory, Mm. so there's an added freight expense to Hmm. use this source. But um, prior to April, uh, the price of steel has increased almost 26%. My goodness. And we've been seeing material price increases really back towards the fourth quarter of 2017. What are your buyers saying? Have they been talking about this with you? Have they been saying, hey, you up to prices, what's up? What are they saying to you? 
well, we've got the gamut. Okay. <laughs> Some of them are saying, well, we can't accept a price increase. And I say, well, I can't, I can't make it at the price that I was selling it to you, mm. you know, earlier this year. And mm. if you can't, you know, accommodate this increase, we're going to have to look at some other relationship. So you're losing money. It, that's the net effect. But it is true that you are using more American metal in light of these tariffs, right? And it seems as if that is what the Trump White House wanted. That's correct. Okay. But you say that's not helping. Why do you think that? Uh, well, because some of the U.S. steel is more expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're also, they are also raising their prices as well. Right. And there's also a supply issue. Mm-hmm. That there's not enough domestic steel produced huh. to satisfy the need of the U.S. fabricators. Huh. And, and do you, so when you're dealing with all of this with the tariffs, do you feel like President Trump or his administration, do you think that they're responsive enough to companies like yours? No. <laughs> <laughs> because we're a small company. You know, we're yeah, yeah. like 45, 50 employees. We don't have as much clout as the U.S. steel yeah. industry. So how does that make you feel? Uh, frustrated. Mm-hmm. At who? I, I would say just in general, you know, everybody's going to get, I guess, their turn in the barrel to get picked on. Mm-hmm. What do you so, mean by that? Well, you know, it, it, there's a tariff of the day now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, who's going to get highlighted next? Are you mad at the president? Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say mad. I would just say just frustrated at the overall environment. Hmm. Is there a point where this isn't sustainable for you? Is there a point where you feel like these, if these tariffs remain in place, they, they will do real tangible damage to your business? Um, well, I, I think that they will. And, you know, it's kind of like a rising tide. Hmm as either material costs or labor costs or other costs of doing business increase, those get passed along in the form of higher costs for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, when you're not working so hard, what are you going to do for fun this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go to the beach tomorrow. Love oh, it. I'm going to put the vacuum cleaner to the side and go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Well, soak up some sun okay. for me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mary, I thank you uh, for your time uh, and for this call today. uh, And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful beach weekend. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Many thanks to Mary Fitzgerald in Mystic, Connecticut. Listeners, want to hear from you for this segment. If you want to talk to us about the news, just send me a note. Sam Sanders at NPR.org. Sam Sanders at NPR.org. All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, my favorite game, Who Said That? BRB. You're laughing because you know it's good, Stephen. <laughs> I know I'll lose. I can feel it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from JustWorks. JustWorks simplifies business back office complexities so you and your team can work fearlessly. They know that team bonding is an essential part of any company's success. That's why they're offering all listeners a free deck of cards for camaraderie, complete with 42 ideas to bring some joy and laughter to the workplace. Go to JustWorks.com slash JustBond to get your deck today and let the good times roll. 
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, host of the TED Radio Hour. And on our latest episode, we're exploring the causes and consequences of hatred. What makes it such a powerful force and why some people feel its pull more deeply. Take a listen to the TED Radio Hour on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests, Aisha Rasko, White House reporter for NPR, and Stephen Thompson, uh, wearer of many hats at NPR, <laughs> uh, an always guest on Pop Culture Happy Hour, and a writer, reviewer, and man about town in, at NPR Music. Thank you for being here, both of you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You guys, it's time for my favorite game. Who said that? Oh, Portia! Portia said that. I love that you got it. Of course. This is one of the most iconic scenes from the most it, iconic it, it, housewives. Exactly. Atlanta. I love that. Yeah. That's my favorite. And I, it, it applies so much. Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? Then you're going to love this game. You did, Portia. You did. <laughs> my favorite is the gif of Candy being okay. like, the lies! The lies! Anyways, I digress. Um, so the game is really simple. Steven's played before. Aisha, it's your first time. First You'll time. do fine. Okay. I promise. Uh, <laughs> I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess either who said that or the story or topic it's about. Okay. Oh, Just get okay. close. Okay. You made, made it easier. So I had to make <laughs> it play. We had a big, we had a brainstorming meeting the other week where we all were like, the who said that's too hard. Okay. Getting, <laughs> a lot of, getting a lot of zero, zero ties. Yes. yes. So we have uh, lowered our standards for you okay. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the winner gets absolutely nothing. Nice. Okay. All right. Uh, ready for the first quote? Mm-hmm. We don't have a buzzer. Just say it. Just say it. Okay. First quote is, when I heard it, it made me move. It made me want to dance to a point where I got to, I have to make a video to this. Who said that? Drake? Close. A video about a dance. Who made uh, the video? Oh. Shiggy? Yes. Shiggy. <laughs> So we got, <laughs> you were close, Stephen. I, I was, I was, I was probably a second and a half away. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we ought to explain to those who have been living under a rock and don't know uh, the biggest dance craze of the moment <laughs> yes. is called the Shiggy Challenge. Yeah. It's a dance mm-hmm. set to a lyric from Drake's latest hit called "In My Feelings." Yes. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Are you doing it? You're doing it, Aisha. <laughs> so. My husband has been trying to get us to do this as a family, so we were practicing yesterday. I love it. So I like the fact that uh, the, the listeners at home cannot could not see, they can see the two of you doing it in perfect unison. As, as I sat here trying to contemplate if I can still do the stanky leg. <laughs> Once you can do the stanky leg, you can always do the stanky leg. But let's break down this challenge really yes. quick. Yep. So Drake released his new album, Scorpion, probably yes. a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Within a day or two uh, after its release, this song, In My Feelings, had reached number one on the iTunes singles chart, in large part because uh, a dance to those lyrics became a viral video craze. Right. It started yes. by this internet comedian named Shiggy yeah. doing like a 20-second dance to it yeah. on his Instagram. After yeah. that, his friend, NFL footballer Odell Beckham Jr., yes. did his own, yeah. and all of a sudden, the Shiggy <laughs> Challenge or the In My Feelings Challenge took yes. off, yeah. and these internet dancers gave Drake his fourth number one hit yeah. in the span of a few days. Yeah. 
man, it's, Drake is so good at this kind of thing. But at this point, he's not even doing it. Do it for him. I know, I know, I know. I'm, do it for him. I'm just thinking of like the Hotline Bling video, where like yes. instantly you just yes. have like visual a visual companion yeah. for these songs that kind of almost overtakes the oh, yeah. song itself. Yeah. Back in my day, the mm. video premiered. Then yes. the radio played it, <laughs> and about a month or two later, it was number one. Yeah. Times have changed. Yeah. Aisha, you're up one to zip. Ready for the next okay. quote? Yes. Ready. Here we go. So hopefully one day we'll get together and collaborate on certain things. Guess what? I'll take Kanye West to North Korea with me. Who said that? Dennis Rodman? Yes! <laughs> I didn't get that one. So Dennis Rodman, who has attempted to become a diplomat himself yes. uh, when it when it comes to North Korea relations, America's last line of defense against nuclear war, Dennis Rodman. For he could while, probably survive he nuclear war. Yeah. He's like, after the nuclear apocalypse, it'll be cockroaches share and Dennis Rodman. That's right. <laughs> I, I digress. So Dennis Rodman had an interview with Us Weekly this week, and he was talking about his famous goodwill trips to North Korea. And in the interview, he said that he might invite sometime Trump supporter Kanye West. (laughs) You know what? It's it's crazy, but it's not. You know what? Go for it. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy, but it's not. They could solve the whole thing. They could get (laughs) over there and just, (laughs) it would all be fixed. My mantra is whatever helps. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Final quote. This one is actually, we haven't had a tiebreaker in a while. Oh, my goodness. Um, This one's kind of hard. So if you just get close in the arena, get a key word, we're going to give it to you, okay? Okay. Um, Quote, I feel like people have a way to come up with obscure sexual meanings for just about any emoji. So I'd be interested to see if this one has any. Who said that? What's it about? Just get close. (laughs) Oh, Okay. What's an emoji that could use some I'm love? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so basic. Yeah. I'm just like beyond the eggplant <laughs> and the peach. I am just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have to have our first tie, and yeah, I'm gonna just okay. give this one to you guys. Okay. Uh, this story is so funny to me. Okay. Um, there is an entire Twitter account dedicated to finding the least popular emoji. Oh. And now there is a campaign to save the least popular emoji, which is the uh, aerial tramway emoji. <laughs> What is this? I don't even know what a tramway is. What it's is on your phone, y'all. It's on your phone. I've never used that one. So that quote came from Jeremy Burge. He is the founder of the Emojipedia. Yes, that exists. Yes, it does. How uh, did I know this? How do you search it? <laughs> and he was talking about how there's this campaign to make this thing more popular. There are people who are on the internet trying to make sure the aerial tramway emoji gets love. <laughs> Because it comes up in conversation so often. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so here's my here's my emoji tangent, which is uh, okay. that there is there there's a, a rule. To, we'll call it Thompson's law, that the more grave and important the text message you are trying to send, mm-hmm. the more likely it is that I accidentally open Kimoji. Oh, uh, this is the Kim Kardashian <laughs> app. Yes, and so it'll be like, I'm so sorry about your loss. All of a sudden, Kim Kardashian is on a stripper pole. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that you guys are okay with having a tie. I feel great about yeah, it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, at least I got one. That's you good. You got one. I, got one. That's I good. aspire to mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> Can I invite you guys back for a rematch at some point? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. That's what we'll do. That's definitely. what we'll do. Yes. Yeah. That concludes Who Said That? All right, now it's time to end the show as we do every week. We ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen. Hi, Sam. This is Sarah. And this is Rachel. And the best part about our week is that after 15 hours in a U-Haul from Michigan, we finally made it to New York. We can now say we're New Yorkers because we live here. Hope you're having a good week. Bye. Bye. Hi, Sam. This is Christina in Sydney, Australia. The best thing that happened to me this week was handing in 86 pages to complete my master's degree, finally. My little niece was born on my parents' 40th wedding anniversary. My son turned two. Can you say hi, Sam? Hi, Sam. The best thing that happened to me all week is actually happening right now. My boyfriend is downstairs making breakfast, and it includes bacon. Hi, Sam. This is Alex Wahid calling from SMK Gandhis in Kelantan, Malaysia, where I am an English teacher. The best thing that happened to me this week is some of my students surprised me with a professionally drawn portrait of myself for my birthday. Hi, Sam. My name is Emily, and the best thing that's happened to me this week is I've realized I've finally reached that stage of adulthood where I'm making friends that aren't somehow picked for me by any circumstance not school, or work, or anything else, and it feels like an accomplishment. Hi Sam, this is Matt from the Bronx, and the best thing that happened to me this week was that I finished setting up the furniture in my very own apartment. Now, this may seem trivial, but I'm a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, and I spent the last few years battling PTSD and depression, and was unable to support myself for most of that time, so this is a big deal. Thanks. Thanks so much. Your show is dope. Hope you're having a great week. Bye. Oh, it's a little misty up in here. Yeah, that was really sweet. Um, many thanks to all the voices you heard there. All the voices. Sarah and Rachel, Christina, Marissa, Tim, Lisa, Alex, Emily, and Matt. It's nice to celebrate the small wins. Yeah. And I appreciate yeah. all of those folks. Um, we listen to all these that come in, and we want you to share yours with us as well. You can send me the best part of your week in any week uh, at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. Uh, thanks to two of the best parts of my week, my guests. Wow. Aisha Rasko, White House reporter for NPR, Stephen Thompson of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour and NPR Music. I'm so happy that y'all were here. We're going to go out on some rosé wave. And at this point, we can pour the drink. Oh, my God. I want to hear that pour on the mic. The bottle has been sitting here tantalizingly (laughs) open this entire taping. That's how I like my wine, room temp. Oh, that's beautiful. I I do a generous pour. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you do. I can't drink all that. I still got some work to do today. (laughs) This might take a minute. You are pouring, bro. You are pouring. Cheers. 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 To being able to laugh at ourselves in spite of the news. (laughs) Many thanks to this song, SGL by Now Now, part of the hashtag Rosé Way movement brought to you by NPR Music. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry with help from Kumari Devarajan. Uh, Steve Nelson is our boss, our director of programming. And our editor, our new full-time editor, is Jordana Hochman. We're so glad you're here. Before we had Jordana, um, a motley crew, a village of editors, <laughs> stepped in to help get this show started and off the ground. And one of our uh, go-to editors, who was just the best, 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 
is Jeff Rogers, who helped us out so much. Jeff, we appreciate you. And our big boss is NPR's VP of Programming, Anya Grundman. All right. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for a chat I had with Uzo Aduba. She plays crazy eyes on Netflix's Orange is a New Black. They got a new season coming out next week. Uh, we talk about how before she got that role, she told me that she was just about to give up TV acting. They're trying to do TV acting for good. Uh, check for it on Tuesday. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Talk soon.